All right, everyone, we are back with another episode of my podcast, Calvero Speaks. It's the morning where I'm recording. There's construction outside, of course. Why is there construction before 8 a.m.? It doesn't make sense, and yet here we are. Um, so hopefully that doesn't bother you. As promised, I'm trying to stick to this schedule. New episode every other week. We'll see how it goes. I'm committing to at least doing this till the end of the summer. So for another few months, and then we'll see. Then I'll decide. I'll decide if I'm in, it's still enjoying it, if it feels worth it. You know, because there's, there's a lot of things that I do. There's only so much time in the day. Um, so if you would definitely like this podcast to continue, make sure you're keeping up with the new episodes. Make sure that you're subscribed on your platform of choice. Um, tell your friends, you know, because this is a very small podcast. I, I, I find it kind of difficult to, to get people to hear it. So if, if it means something to you, if it's been helpful, make a post. Tell your friends to listen to it. Um, and if you really want the podcast to continue, then consider joining my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Calvero Sings. This is the absolute best way to support me and what I'm doing. Um, you get regular weekly content of behind the scenes videos, vlogs, demos, playlists, lots of stuff. And as some of you probably know, I am working on a 10 track album right now. And soon I'm going to need to be putting together budgets for artwork, mastering, animation. I'm going to try to travel and do some music videos. So your patronage helps make that all happen. It helps everything that I do as Calvero grow and survive and thrive, <laughs> as they say. So if you're enjoying what I'm doing, I'm telling you, if you join my Patreon and you leave me a message on Patreon or somewhere else and say, joining because I love the podcast, that would be a pretty good guarantee that I would keep the podcast going for a pretty long time. So uh, consider joining me, patreon.com slash Calvero Sings. Um, I've considered having the second weekly episode be a Patreon exclusive, but um, I, I want to try and keep everything free. Uh, so, you know, joining is going to help keep that free. And uh, yeah, that that's it. I think that's it for the plugs. Um, also join my newsletter. Join my newsletter. I send a newsletter out with some updates, some reflections every month or two. Um, yeah, the links, links for both of these things in the description. Now let's get on to it. So um, today, I wanted to talk about mental health. I wanted to talk about therapy um, particular because I've talked a lot about kind of like my mental health journey, as they say. I've talked a lot about like my revelations through therapy, how I work through everything in therapy, but I haven't talk, talked really about how I ended up in therapy. That, that was kind of like what the narrative of the previous episodes was always leading to. Like it was all leading to the story where I actually finally decided to get help, um, but I didn't. Um, I, I didn't get there in in kind of like the first iteration of the podcast. So I'm gonna tell that story, and uh, I'm just gonna give the caveat that I may be repeating some things that I've said in earlier episodes of the podcast. Um, it's hard for me to remember, you know, I started it three years ago and um, there might be some repetition. Some of you, you've probably never heard. You're coming in fresh, so it's not going to be a problem. For everyone else, if there's a little bit of repetition, um, I apologize. I'm going to try to do this in a way where um, people, if, if you're hearing this podcast for the first time, I want to make sure you know what's going on. You're not in the dark and you don't have to go back and listen to previous episodes. So... 
One thing that I have been pretty open about on this podcast is that I have deeply struggled throughout my life with OCD, anxiety, and depression. When I was a kid, I got it taken care of. I got it monitored. Um, you know, like I actually went to in-hospital programs twice. Once when I was in middle school and once when I was in high school. I was on antidepressants in high school. I believe it was Paxil. It was not a good time. I felt like it really hollowed me out. Um, and I kind of weaned off it. And by the time I was 18, I was telling my doctors that I was cured, essentially, because I was going off to Chicago, going off to college, and I wanted to kind of like, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to get back to raw dogging reality, essentially, and uh, feeling like, feeling like everything was, was fixed. And so I went to Chicago with a clean bill of health, but in reality, I had a lot of issues and I had a lot of emotional issues and um, I just wasn't interested in taking care of myself really. And as the years went on, um, I just kept going through life with OCD, kind of like going unchecked, anxiety, depression, and uh, I started having these thoughts as as I got older, you know, and and kind of living that life in Chicago of like being the struggling artist and and really trying to make things work and find success. When I would have those moments of deep depression and just like deep anxiety and panic, um, I, I I would sometimes wonder if my life would be easier if I didn't have it. Um, and what I would always tell myself, which is just the biggest lie that artists tell themselves, is that like my fucking mental health chaos was what made me a good artist. And I and if I got rid of that, I would lose the things that made me special. You know, like the OCD, even though that sometimes I would just catastrophize and just like obsessively think about things too much and ruminate. Um, I would also just like really think about ideas for songs or productions. And I felt like if I, if I worked on that, I would lose the positives essentially. And that like the depression and the anxiety made me special. And I was also kind of telling myself that, um, that like going to therapy is for bougie people. It's something this, this was around when I was really, really chasing success. Um, I really just wanted to be more successful, more acclaimed, make more money. And I would tell myself that like therapy is something that I'm going to earn. Like when I get to another level, you know, like when I'm making all my money from music and I'm making good money, then I'm going to go to therapy because I earned it. But I need to earn that first, which is just like so fucked up and, and so convoluted. Um, and I just didn't understand how it worked. You know, like when I worked at um, a tea shop in Chicago, my friend Ty you know, he was telling me that he was see he was noticing that like my OCD was just starting to get worse to the point where it was getting kind of hard for me to function. Um, this was kind of like leading up towards the end of my time in Chicago. If you really want to know more about kind of like my big breakdown, then you can listen to the previous episodes, Leaving Chicago, part one and part two, where I, I kind of break that down in detail. But he was telling me that like, there's somebody who he would see and uh, th th it wasn't just like $300 a session or whatever. It was like a sliding scale based on income. And 
I just wasn't hearing it. I was at a point in my life where I just kind of figured that success was was going to fix everything. And it just really spiraled out of control. I ended up uh, back where I'm at now um, with my folks um, after I left Chicago and was <clears throat> just really, really isolated, trying so hard to like get a publishing deal and move to Chicago. And I was just ignoring all of my problems, all of the OCD and the depression and the anxiety. I, I talked about this, but I would lose months. I would lose a month sometimes to just like, just OCD. Um, and I, I want you to know for some people who don't really know OCD or how it works, a lot of people associate it with just like washing your hands all the time or having these like cleanliness rituals. Um, for me, it's it it's mostly like catastrophizing. It's mostly just like, and I, I've talked about this in detail in previous episodes, but it's mostly that I will kind of convince myself that um, something horrible is going to happen. Um, and I will I'll just imagine this very unlikely horrible scenario. And then I'll just continue thinking about that and thinking about it. Um, and sometimes that can go on for like literally a month where it would just be all I could think about. And I would just get more anxious and more depressed. Um, and <clears throat> like I said, sometimes I would lose a month where I, I was just not able to function. I couldn't get out of it. Um, and I just finally reached a point. I had a friend, you know, say, you might want to just find someone to get some help. My mom had said that uh, someone just to talk to. Um, she left me uh, contact information for a therapist. And finally, after like a year or two, like I was I was just going through this and struggling through it and giving kind of like the um, the excuses that it, it's going to go away when I get that publishing deal and move to L.A. Or this is just part of it. This is just part of who I am. It's going to lose the special shit. Um, the big lie there is that I actually wasn't making good art uh, while I was struggling with those things. Um I was a lot of times I wasn't able able to work on art at all. Um, and I certainly wasn't able to work on it <clears throat> with a clear head. And so if I was able to get anything halfway decent, it was it was uh, despite the fact of all those things that I was going through, not because of it. Um, that's what I've found is that like with a clear head, I'm just so much more free. Um, artistically, but also just like going through life as a person. So after, so basically I reached a point where I was at an all time low, essentially where not really an all time low, but I'd been chasing those publishing deals for, for a year or two. Um, and it just, I I'd had some meetings. I've talked about this and, uh, with some big companies and it just, it didn't seem like I was gonna get a contract. The contracts that I saw just wasn't enough money for me to rationalize like moving to LA without more of a plan. And, and I just kind of felt like maybe the doors were closing. That was kind of my last hope in music. Um, and I thought maybe it was over. And uh, I felt a lot of pain and a lot of despair and I just didn't know what to do with my life. I 
talked to a good friend uh, and kind of told him about the situation. And he suggested he was just reacting to what I was saying, but he was saying, like, maybe it's time to think about other passions and maybe go to school for something else. And um, that just didn't feel right to me. And I, I just didn't know what to do. So finally, out of desperation, I, I called this therapist and um, I remember there was maybe a, a few months where we kind of played phone tag back and forth and then we finally set up a session. And then I remember very well going there. I, I believe actually the very first session that I had with him was was leading up to when I first released um, Vanishing Streets was my first song is Calvero. So what's really special to me is that kind of like getting back on track with my mental health, not not even back on track, but like on track with my mental health really coincides with um, this Calvero project and getting that out into the world um, because they both really happened at the same time. Um, and that's, uh, that's pretty meaningful to me. But I, I remember I kind of like, first of all, I told him about just basically I was having issues and I didn't quite know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I can say now that it was OCD or anxiety or depression, but I didn't really know. I didn't know what the big problem was. I, I just knew that I was a fucking mess. Uh, and so as I described him kind of like the things that I had been going through and grappling with, um, he basically told me like, okay, like you have OCD and then that's fueling the depression and the anxiety. And there's something that's really relieving about no, just knowing that, just knowing what's going on. Even if you don't take any medication, uh, just kind of like knowing the problem, uh, then you can kind of like use the tools, use the tools. Um, I also want to say, because I've, I've talked about therapy, um, on TikTok sometimes, and, and I'll get comments of people saying like, man, I wish I could afford that. Um, and like, I guess they're assuming I'm loaded, <laughs> loaded because I've been going to therapy for five years. Um, and I just want to make sure I mention like I'm on Medicaid, uh, and Medicaid, uh, takes Medicaid pays for my therapy. Um, the therapist that I go to is a very, very good therapist and accepts Medicaid. And uh, so it is possible if you're on Medicaid or if you have other insurance that they'll cover it. There's therapists that work with sliding scales. Um, so if, if you just think that therapist therapy is just expensive, it's just like $300 a session. I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, I, I really think it's something that's worth looking into. It's worth if you have a healthcare provider, you know, talk to them about it. If you have a primary doctor, talk to them about it. Um, if it's if it's something that you feel would be helpful. So, yeah, I mean, just knowing what's going on is just tremendously helpful um, because then you kind of if you're working with a professional, they know the tools, they know the things to do, the kind of like the behavioral therapy things to try out. And so we kind of like had a game plan to focus on the OCD and work on ways to kind of like rewire my brain to kind of like examine my uh, my thought patterns that would that would start these spirals and and just try to get into a practice of working on it and not falling into those traps 
And um, and then if you focus on that, that those are the things that would fuel the anxiety and the depression. Um, and then, of course, there's things from childhood. There's things about your environment growing up that's always going to be at play, obviously. Um, but we talked about that. Um, and then I also kind of told him my story. You know, I told him kind of like where I was at in life, that I felt like I was a big failure, um, that I had been rejected by publishing company after publishing company and I had had these publishing deals and they they just weren't looking good and now I was you know 31 at the time living with my parents didn't know what to do next and I told him that whole story with deep shame with deep shame and insecurity and almost apologetic and and I was just like that's pretty sad fucking story huh and he was like no that's not sad at all and he said some things that really blew my mind and gave me some new things to consider that i wouldn't allow myself to consider before um first of all uh because of my ocd i tend to catastrophize and and think that um the worst scenario is happening uh and so like yeah, with all the things that I went through, I assumed that the worst case scenario was that I had to stop doing music. You know, that's something that I've always thought that that's always kind of been at the root of my fears doing music ever since I was 18 or 19. One thing I've talked a lot on here about on and on TikTok is that fear of just like getting too old because you look at kind of like all your heroes and all the successful people as you get older they've already done the thing and then you start worrying that if it hasn't happened for you then you're not going to be able to do it you're not going to be able to do the thing that you love and you feel like it's all over and that's like really scary that's like a really scary thought and so i was really feeling like um my whole life's purpose if you will, um, ever since I was a teenager, I felt like it was all gone. It was all over. And that's just, that's really just catastrophizing. And what he told me is that, first of all, if I have a clear head, then I'm going to be able to continue moving forward and maybe encountering more deals and and more opportunities to either get accepted or rejected and that was just about my ability to remain persistent if if you decide to be persistent over a long period of time and not just over a few years then you're going to encounter a lot of rejection you're gonna encounter some successes but then you find out it's not quite what you hoped it would be what you thought it would be and you have to continue to just keep going and keep trying to make things work but if you're constantly um if you're constantly catastrophizing if you're constantly just assuming that the worst case scenario is about to happen if you're looking for evidence that everything is going wrong um, for, for just like every outcome, then it's gonna be really hard to keep a clear head and, and like sustain what you're doing. But the big thing that he told me that I've talked about on this podcast and I've talked about on TikTok quite a lot is he asked me like, why do I do music? You know, like, why do I do it? And 
I kind of like, you know, to be honest, the things that came to mind was like, I want to be great. I want to be one of the greatest. Um, you know, it's like there was, I talked about Matty Healy from the 1975 uh, last week and how he's like the perfect example of like someone who people idolize and say is like very important with a capital I and all that stuff. Uh, this is, this isn't a criticism of the music, by the way, but um, yeah, I saw an interview with him where, where um, he said like, happiness is pointless. Give me purpose any day, you know, the idea of purpose. And, and that's kind of how I saw things is like, my purpose is that like, I have to be great and I have to make great music and like make people happy. Um, that's what people always say, you know, they, they need to be famous because it's going to help people. It's going to make them happy. And yet somehow the only way to make people happy is if you're famous. It doesn't make sense. It's really that like, we all want to be famous and we all want to be rich and we all want to be acclaimed because we've all grown up under capitalism and uh, that's how we've been told to find value in ourselves and other people is how successful you are, how acclaimed by institutions you are, how much influence you have, um, and then you can rationalize it however you like. But the truth is you can make a difference in someone, you can make a difference in like a few people's lives, you know, and that's, and then that's like a big mark on someone's life forever. Like you absolutely do not need to be famous or rich or successful to make positive impacts on people's lives. And yet we, a lot of us feel that like our worth as an artist and a person is riding on achievement, achieving success and acclaim and having a wide reach. Um, and I've, and th that's really, to be honest, that's what I felt. I felt that like I was doing music, obviously I love music and I, I've just like been obsessed with music since I was 15 or no, since I was 13, you know, and just like taking everything that I loved about music and uh, everything that's moved me and made me understand the world and understand myself and try to harness that to make my own things that, so that I can make people feel the same way. Now, everything that I just said, that has nothing to do with fame. That has nothing to do with, um, you know, this capitalist pipe dream. That is truly about just the art and the music and the love of that. Um, and what my therapist said was that like, in reality, you're making music because it makes you happy. And you see that like, if you were able to make music every day, that you see that as a happy life. And so the objective is to be happy. It's not to be super successful. It's not to be like this big achievement success story. It's simply to be happy. And if you can understand that and just work towards finding that happiness on a daily basis, then you're going to be able to bloom. And I have truly found that to be the case. It was kind of a mind-blowing framing to me because obviously, like, if we're doing something crazy like music or, or art or film or whatever and trying to do that like for our job like for our life obviously we're doing it because it's something that we really really love to do because it's a pretty fucking stupid career path otherwise but you really lose sight of that after a while 
And I definitely lost sight of that. And just for a moment, I was able to gain some perspective on my life and why I do what I do without the cloud of my OCD and anxiety and depression and catastrophizing. Um, because what do you have to understand is if you have any of those things, if you have OCD, if you have depression, if you have anxiety, the thoughts that you have are colored with that. It's colored with the depression. It's colored with anxiety. The thoughts of like, I'm just not successful. I'm never going to be successful. Everyone's better than me. That's all colored by depression. That That's a choice to kind of like have your biases turn towards negativity and despair. In fact, I remember that's another thing that um, my therapist said to me that kind of blew my mind with this perspective was I was telling him that, you know, all my friends, they're already successful. They've already become successful. And this was really a point where, you know, I was in Chicago for 10 years and I, I think I had one or two friends um, do really well for something or another. And then of course my friend David had uh, like a G6, the number one song when he was like 22. So I saw that go down, but really it was when I left Chicago, that's when I was starting to see people, you know, get their pitchfork write-ups, get, uh, get cast on SNL, get a writer's job on SNL, that sort of thing. Um, I was really seeing the, the fruit of people's labor who I've known just like really pay off in big ways in like ways that are that we conventionally see as successful and I just kind of felt like seeing it happen for them and not having something comparable happen to me even though I wanted it really bad that's really why I was chasing those publishing deals. I thought that that would be it to have like a big artist cut one of my songs you know on Atlantic Records and sign a publishing deal and move to LA, that would be me being on the level with those other people. Um, and it, and when it didn't happen, I just felt like, fuck, it's just all over. And when I told him, you know, all my friends that they, they've already, they've already made it. Everyone's already successful. What he said was, no, that's not true. Most people that, you know, quit, they already quit. And it's true. Like, like that's actually the fact. Statistically, most of the people through my 10 years in Chicago either stopped doing music or art or comedy altogether or put it in the back seat. And I'll also say, I know I've talked about this before. I have no problem with that. In fact, it's something I'm envious of. If you're able to find other things that you, that you love doing um, or just like doing or just like having a family or other things in your life that you find are, are just like very important and you're happy and you find meaning in your life and you don't have to do this ridiculous <laughs> fucking just like tug of war to try to like have a sustainable living in the arts, I fucking envy that. Um, but the fact that I, I don't know, I just stayed in it. And the fact that I stayed in it actually put me at an advantage because I literally didn't stop. And that just gave me a small peek of how I could see my life, not with rose colored glasses, but through non-depression, OCD, anxiety colored glasses 
And so as of October, I think I'll be in therapy for five years. As I said in the last episode, um, my therapist has told me that I, I am his biggest success story, not in terms of my career success, but in terms of like how much I've improved from the first time that I met with him compared to where I'm at now. And I still have a lot of issues that I need to work out. I still feel like I'm too compulsive in things that I do. Um, I still get really insecure about things. Um, but like compared to where I was at five years ago, that shit was debilitating. It was really debilitating. And the way that it looked for the next year or two, at least in therapy, was that I would basically have a therapy session. He would help me out, help me understand things. And then as the week went on, I would fall into some trap about obsessing about something. And I would try to use the tools that I had learned from him to try to mitigate it. But I would just obsess about something. I'd have a thought, I'd imagine a scenario, and it would just seem so real. Um, and I wouldn't be able to get out of it. And I kind of felt like when I was finally able to see him again, and he was able to say the things that were able to help me you know, get back to reality. It was like I was fine. It was like I was a fish that was put back into water. It was like I was finally given oxygen. And it took a good year or two of that just to get to kind of like a baseline stability. And don't get me wrong, like in the in the first year, at least there were some there were still some really, really bad lows. Um, some of my worst moments um, that I, I don't even want to get into it, but just like I remember there was a New Year's of probably a New Year of 2018 or 2019 that was just really bad, really bad. Just just felt like I was the biggest loser that I just had the most uncharitable view of myself possible and it was a really bad scene. Um, but this time, instead of just going through it for like a month and then eventually having it just kind of fade after going through it for weeks and weeks, this time I had someone that I could go to and talk to and work on it. And what I know is that as I go through things and I fall into traps and I slide back or I encounter things that kind of test um, what I've worked on, I have somebody that I can go to and I feel less alone. And if having this in your life sounds like something that could make your life more manageable, I would highly recommend you look into finding someone who might be able to help. I, I will say that like, you know, I think that there's, I don't think therapy fixes everything. I think that a lot of things that cause depression and anxiety um, in our in our society is um, is because of sexism and racism and transphobia and economics. You know, like like just the shit that we have to do at our jobs or the things that we have to do to survive and make ends meet. Those are things that like. You know, therapy is not going to fix all of that. And I want to be mindful of making sure that I'm not saying that, like, 
going everyone should go to therapy because it's gonna fix all all the problems that you have um i'm just saying that for me with the things that that i was grappling with for all of my adult life it has helped me tremendously and i've seen firsthand that all of my fears about just like if i if if i'm less obsessive and and i'm not depressed and i'm not anxious then i'm not going to be a good artist i'm not going to be successful what i'm seeing is that like exactly the opposite is true that like i'm now making the best shit i've ever made and i also have like by far the biggest platform that i've ever had the more people know about me than ever and it's because i've been able to function with a clear head and express myself in ways um that people can relate to so there we go this is the mental health episode and uh i hope that that maybe this was helpful or maybe this was insightful if you like the episode please shoot me a message shoot me an email um i'd love to know uh subscribe to this podcast on your platform of choice new episode the first and third week of the month i'm going to be trying that for a while and if you're able to please join me on patreon patreon.com slash calvero sings link in the bio link in the show notes for that 